Three. All good? We're doing it? Yeah, all, all right. good. Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome to episode siete of True Review, a podcast where we travel through an artist's ugh, week by week, as you'll know by now. First series, we've gone for the ultra, the omega, the alpha of pop, the goddess herself, Madonna. Mm-hmm. And we are focusing on Ray of Light. I'm Nick Welburn. I'm Eric Sakley. That's the first week you've ever picked up on that um, <laughs> cue before. Well done, you. <laughs> Hi, Eric. How are you? I'm uh, I'm doing swell, Nicholas. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah. I'm not good, actually, but I'm, <laughs> I'm battling through. Yeah, we've both been Hence... a little bit better. <laughs> Hence the delay on you receiving this, my podcast friends. Um, actually, confession time. We recorded this once before, and as I was editing it, it sounded like we recorded it in a cave. So I demanded <laughs> that we record this again. So I'm expecting this to be the most polished, concise, clear thing we've ever done. Yeah. Um, so we did have some difficult, <laughs> technical difficulties the first time around. Um, hopefully, this time... All will go well. Um, I'm not really mad, to be honest, about the fact that um, I got to talk about Ray of Light for a second time. So, yeah, you know what? It is what it is. For new listeners, let me give you a little summary of what we did last week. We talked about, on a good day, one of my favorite Madonna albums of all time, Bedtime Stories, last episode. Um, we discussed whether it was a massive course correction or whether it was just a wink to the audience as a no regrets ever wink wink sort of album, a interlude to and a reference to what Ray of Light will sound like. I think we fell into the latter camp. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think it was a perfect journey into experimental Madonna, which found ourselves to where we are this week, yeah. to an album I have been waiting for since week one to discuss. Um, yeah, same here. I said it I said it in our Like a Prayer episode, but it's week on, week on, week on, week of just like classic, bulletproof, impenetrable albums. Mm-hmm. Now until Hot Candy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Enough dilly-dallying. Eric, what's your top three? So my top three Madonna songs this week. Um, uh, well, it's been the same top three for the last few weeks because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> second time recording this. But um, Skin, which has obviously made an Ooh. appearance in my top three before because, and we will get into it. Oh, we're going to get into it. Oh, we're going to get into it. I think this is one of Madonna's greatest songs ever. And it's kind of... <sighs> Oh, oh my god. Okay. We will talk about my connection to that song more. <laughs> um second, I'm gonna have to say the um Japanese bonus track for On Ray of Light has to be. Um Banger. it always pains me that Japan always gets the good shit. Um Honestly, what's that about? Yeah, what is that about? Third I have been torn between music and American life eras um, 
all week because I think mentally I'm there because we already recorded our Ray of Light episode once <laughs> and had to re-record it. Um, <laughs> but I'm probably going to have to say Impressive Instant is my third. Oh, mm-hmm. oh an icon. I, too, love to boogie, boogie, boogie <laughs> like a bird on a... Um, interesting. I also, like, love how we're, we're seven weeks into this now. I love how, like, your top three is also always kind of predicated by the album we're doing. It's like you've yeah. really done the homework. Well, it's you because really, like... I actually do, like, even though I've heard every single one of these albums a gazillion times each, I still always do my homework, like, every week I know we're going to record. Mm. Like, I, I always will, like, listen to the album full through multiple times you know, just like do my research. Um, and then it just really, really, really gets me into the vibe. But anywho, Nick, what are your top three? So for listeners at home, even outside recordings, me and Eric can't stop talking about Madonna. <laughs> and we discussed our Madonna album rankings <laughs> the other night. We did. Maybe I was a few few gins down post-COVID lockdown. Who knows? Maybe. You know Um, what? This is Sorry to interrupt, but I think this would be a good idea in our very last episode to... I was was thinking the exact same thing. Go through that. Just rank our favorites. I was thinking that. Mm -hmm. Because, sorry, to go off track, Madonna the debut has gone flying up in my estimation since we started this podcast. Mm -hmm. Like like a virgin has remained at rock bottom. But anyway... (laughs) Um, and I saw a fun little thing in your rankings, Eric, of all the 2010 albums being in rock bottom. And no, in my head, no, I had my initial. <laughs> so I sent you um, a thing in my notes on my phone of a ranking that I had written, I guess, a couple of years ago. That was like deep, deep down in my like notes, and all of the 2020 albums were at the bottom in that one. But then I redid it this week when we were messaging about it, and Madame X had improved significantly. Mm, but still... Okay, whatever. Just as for, MDNA, <laughs> just as for MDNA and Rebel Heart, mm. which, is, uh, which has imbued itself into my top three this week. Oh. So let's talk about Body Shop. Let's talk about... Uh, one is for Madame X. Let's talk about Crave and... Let's talk about, you know, it's coming. True Blue, the Rebel Heart Tour. Oh, my God. (laughs) You know, okay, moving on. So, (laughs) we have talked about that performance enough. Enough. I could do a full hour. I don't want to hear it anymore. It's good. It's cute. Let's move on. Eric. Yes. Do you want to hear about some context about the album we're doing tonight? Ah, let's get straight into it. Tell me the facts. So, Ray of Light, released February 1998. Eric, we've recorded this twice, but I still can't remember. Were you alive for this? <laughs> yes, actually, good point. This is the first Madonna album that I was actually alive for. Well done, you. Thank you. All the more special for that reason. This came not really hot off the heels, um trepidatiously off the heels of Something to Remember, her um, ballads collection, which was released in 1995. 
We talked last episode of bedtime stories not really being a course correction, but if you could point to anything in her career being like, hey, general public, please like me again, it's probably this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's still moments of like cool trip hop things, but still, it was a very like, I am responsible now. I sing ballads. I look mournful in white dresses and like very. <laughs> mature settings but I mean it's nice it's good Mm -hmm. it's lovely we're not reviewing it on this podcast but I'm sure you could find another podcast that will Um, I mean (laughs) we're basically going over most of those songs anyway like it's a compilation album I just find it ironic that she does she released that album then released probably like the four best ballads of her life in the next album (laughs) (laughs) that's true anyway and then immediately after, she filmed Evita from February to May of 1996. Halfway through recording of that, she found out she was pregnant. Her little A Star Is Born moment before Gaga was even a twinkle in the New York art scene's eye. While she was recording that film, she was introduced to Kabbalah by Sandra Bernhard, which is the most like Upper East Side New York thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Back to Avita, she tangentially won her second Oscar. And I will say it's her second Oscar because she did partially write Sooner or Later, which won an Oscar, and she did partially write You Must Love Me, which is one of my favourite Madonna uh, ballads. And I think yeah, she's same. deserving of the praise for it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, t- back on discussion of Ray of Light as an actual album, I think I hate when people like, use this as a like a barometer against like female pop musicians. But I think this is the bread and butter of this album, that this was the first album that she was a mother for. Yeah. Um she gave birth to Lourdes, born October nineteen ninety six. Do I follow Lourdes on Instagram? Yes I do. Do I hope she rinses me on Instagram soon? Yes I <laughs> do. So as always with Madonna, this album started as an album with a previous uh, collaborator. Uh, we saw that with Erotica being a Pat album, Bedtime Stories being a... Um... Fuck. Shep? Thank you. Uh, Bedtime <laughs> Stories being a Shep Pettibone album, and then Ray of Light beginning as a Babyface album. That then moved to Rick Nowells, who we'll discuss later, and played... And you'll see his influence through Power of Goodbye. And then our Lord and Saviour, Pat Leonard, Love You Babe, who will also see his influence in Frozen and quite a number of songs in the album. But I think the fingerprints, the driver, as alongside Madonna, came into the picture through Maverick Label's chair, Guy Osiri, who's William Orbit. Mm-hmm. And... Words can't describe what a good job he did. I know we'll get onto that later, but like, I think he really, really, really did open Madonna's mind a lot to like what pop music could reasonably do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Completely. Anyway, we'll get onto that later. Enough distraction from me. Cover Shot by Mario Testino. Um, and a really, really like radical de- departure from like previous. Like pictures, right? Yeah, definitely. It's very, it's natural with a like inverted commas wink wink. It's like <laughs> still Madonna faked tanned within an inch of her life, but it's 
spiritual Madonna, right? It wouldn't be me if I didn't talk about success metrics and thank God I have something good to say after the last two episodes. God love her rock and bedtime stories, but won four Grammys. Her first, like, real Grammys in invert commas. She'd won stuff for, like, uh, tangential mm-hmm. video production, video presentation and, like, tour albums and stuff, mm. but she'd never had a studio album, this is very good music, here's an award, sort of. Um, mm-hmm. She's never won one of the big four, which I think is a huge slight, but she did win Best Pop Album. Yep. Here. Most revolutionaries don't. Exactly, exactly. Love you, Mariah. Um, <laughs> sold 20 million. Love saying that. Um, and funny that we were like talking about, this was like the more mature Madonna um, Caroline Sullivan like asked her how she felt about her more mature image compared to like the Britney Spears and the Spice Girls who were coming up in the world at that time. And Madonna like said back, "Every time someone says something bad about them, I say, hey, wait a minute, I was a Spice Girl once,' which makes me feel <laughs> way too emotional than I should do. It's kind of beautiful because." It is, yeah. it is, and she was, and she is, and she continues to be. <laughs> and we'll get onto this in, like, Drowned World, but I don't think her more mature image is a rejection of her former world. It's just a mm. embracing of something else. Definitely not. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, and this is just, this isn't really a fact. This is just a opinion that I'm presenting as fact, because, you know what, half of this podcast is mine, and... <laughs> I'm laying ground to it. But I will say, I think Ray of Light is seen as the moment ambient music got introduced to the mainstream. Would you? Completely. From a critical perspective, yes. I think Mm. more so electronica genres. Yeah. And also, controversial point, and we'll get into this more during uh, the track list, but her embrace of... um, you, know, you could have your whatever opinion you have on this, obviously. Her embrace of South Asian cultures and um, mm. <laughs> and yoga specifically um, was all, has also been noted by scholars as being sort of the moment. You know, aside from any discourse on appropriation or whatever is, from a scholarly perspective, it really was the time when that was sort of brought over and made accessible to North American audiences specifically. Mm. Um, I think like yoga as a practice in the so-called Western world, whatever that means sort of blew up after Madonna really kind of made it a thing. Um, Mm. Which obviously has, you know, we could have a whole episode debating the sort of politics behind that. But um, I think it's quite, from a sociological perspective, quite interesting. And just off the beaten track, because I know I've said tangentially so many times this episode already. That's my word of the week, by the way, guys. Um, (laughs) I was watching, like, seasons two to four Sex and the City. I I, I have a point, I promise you. And <laughs> that was released, obviously, 98 to 2002, I'm talking about there. And, like, the entire backing track is based entirely off every single beat of Ray of Light. It's just, it's mad how, like, yes, she influenced music. Yes, she influenced pop music. But it was, like, culture is this, like, 
um, complete like beast that she like bested with Ray of Light. Carrie going for a drink or feeling emotional had its like the beats of it had already been felt through Madonna and William Orbit's production. It's very much that Devil Wears Prada scene was like blue. This is cerulean. Anyway, Wait, this is really interesting. I feel like I want to go back mm. and rewatch that now. <laughs> Once I've said that now, like seasons, maybe mid-season two to maybe like season four-ish, every single back and track is either like world music. God, I hate that term. Apologies for using it. But um, very, very like either Madonna chill or like Madonna trance or like Madonna dance. Mm. I promise, I promise you'll see it. But, uh, yeah. They do a lot of yoga on that show, too, I feel, from they memory. Do. They do? <laughs> that was really, that's the thing. That was really, like, the trend mm. at, at that period in time. Eric? Yes? Can you try and summarize in three minutes or less <laughs> your thoughts on this album? Oh, God. <laughs> Where do I even start? Because I just think... Even though this has been acknowledged as one of as one of the greatest pop albums of all time, it doesn't get its due, and I don't think mm-hmm. Madonna ever really gets her due either. And that has been sort of become more apparent to me over the past couple weeks, oh, yeah. because of just certain things that I've been reading and hearing from people in conversations and whatnot. Um, and just, you know, going off of re- revisiting that Madame X review from Pitchfork right before recording this episode, it was sort of cemented in me that, and I hate to be cliche and use uh, Taylor's words, but if Madonna was a man, <laughs> she'd be the man. She would be the man. <laughs> and I think nobody's Full denying. I messaged Eric last night being like, I'm listening to The Man, and I kind of love it. Anyway, end of time. <laughs> Go back, Eric. <laughs> I think no one's denying Madonna's impact on pop music and pop culture and, you mm. know, redefining pop music and, you know, what a pop star is. But I don't think she gets the same amount of credit as her 80s male peers. Basically, I don't think she gets the same amount of respect as let's say Prince or Michael Jackson do for, um, I quite personally think that Ray of Light and its accomplishments um, together make it, in my opinion, the greatest pop album like ever. Um, That's obviously my opinion, but in terms of what is generally accepted by the general public, to be pop music. Um, so I don't think like Bjork, someone like Bjork would count um, if we're being really picky about genre. But, you know, what is generally accessible to mainstream in terms of pop music? I see Ray of Light as being, in my opinion, the best pop album ever. Um, I love this album. I think it's a near flawless record. I know there are, there's a lot about it that... Um, might serve as a bit of an eye roll to some people, but I think ultimately it has its reputation for a reason. And I think that 
you know, the production is outstanding. Her songwriting is outstanding. Her vocals on this album, due to extensive training from Evita, are outstanding. I just think the sequencing is flawless. It's her... I don't know. I think I remember the first time listening to this album, and I had obviously been introduced to Madonna way before this, but when I heard Ray of Light, and Skin specifically, I just remember thinking, what the hell is this witchcraft? Like, yeah. Like, it's just so bewitching, and it's such a left-field progressive move from her. I think it's quite possibly still her boldest album ever. And she saw an opportunity to do something, you know, that pushed her comfort zone and, you know, to do something really different that just wasn't being done in mainstream pop at that time. You know, all this stuff was very underground, very niche. And, you know, with her amazing curating skills, she she did a lot in changing pop culture and shifting the conversation and shifting pop music to, you know, in, in a way that it has never been the same since this album came out. This album accomplished so much. And I think, oh, you know, it's... I, I, I think it's a near-perfect album. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. And I would go as far as to say it's my favorite Madonna album. Definitely. Like, by a wow. mile. <laughs> that was longer than expected, Nicholas. How do you feel about this album? <laughs> so, I'd say very much the same, but maybe a Diet Coke version to your full fat. So I I think I see it as like a tentpole in Madonna's career, right? But also just in the general cultural consciousness. And it forever changed how like pop stars, especially like female pop stars, were consumed and I created and cultivated through their art. Mm. Like I've said it before, maybe like the first episode and you probably didn't hear it because our sound quality was so bad, but like to ray of light is a verb. It's a like it's a recognized method for pop stars to do to like go through kind of their spiritual awakening, their experimental phase. And by the way, Madonna's already gone through like three different experimental phases by the time she got to this experimental phase. Yeah. And like I just think it's Stupid to say that, like, she defined what it was to be a pop star because she defines it, then breaks it, then defines it, mm-hmm. then confounds it, then defines it, then breaks it again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's by design. And, like, on paper, what Madonna achieved with this album sounds, like, preposterous. Yeah. This album shouldn't have worked. Oh, yeah. She had, she had, had like, two albums that... By the way, my two of my like most favorite albums of all time, but like weren't like amazingly successful. And then she comes back with this like, okay, I'm gonna 
let this producer that no one really knows steer this my big comeback. Yeah. I'm going to present myself in a way no one has ever seen me in a way before. And I'm going to do it that's like unknown. Um, unknown in the way how the culture has consumed me before. Mm-hmm. And I think that's... Not just uh, Madonna has the biggest balls compared to anyone else in the world. And like, look, I get the eye roll of like the sudden new age mysticism, as you said, but I'd counter that with like, this is the same person who brought us, um, like a prayer and active contrition. Yeah. It's a, it's a through line of like discovery of like looking for salvation, looking for that higher power and like, Submitting yourself to it and like, God, if she isn't committed to like <laughs> whatever she's <laughs> submitting to, be it religion, being it sexual pleasure, being it like this new way forward she's found. And I think my final note is like, this album is art, pure and simple. It's a gift to the world, mm. right? <laughs> and the thing is though, like, she, you mentioned all these like, would be eye rolls, right? Mm. But they're not eye rolls. They, like, the way she executed it, um, I think she executed it so well. Um, all the concepts on this album, you know, whether it be, you know, the enlightenment themes or whatever, I just think they're done yeah. in a way that. If it's art, it's not, you know, it's not, it just doesn't come across across as cringe at all. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Well, Eric, dare we enter into the world of Ray of Light? I am so ready. You could say we're going into a drowned world. (gasps) (gasps) A traded thing for love Without a second thought It all became a silly game Some things cannot be bought I got exactly what I asked for You see? Um... Welcome back. <laughs> I thought that was quite a good impression. That was actually you pretty see? good. You sounded very spot on, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> so what you've heard there is a masterful use of the sample of Rod McEwen's Why I Follow the Tigers, which is the sample of You See. Um, but credit to Madonna. She also cited him as a writer. Um, some people say she cited the entire plot of that poem into the lyrics of like a rush of activity from like a young person to feel fulfilled, but fulfilled, but feeling more alone. I dispute that plot, right? Mm. I don't think I necessarily agree with the interpretation that motherhood has made her reject her former life. I think the song saying, I wanted that life, I got that life, and and I had a, like, really fucking good time. Yeah. (laughs) I was Madonna, (laughs) but, like, 
now I've had a child, I can appreciate that life and also appreciate this life. Yeah. Like she's saying, I traded my world for this. And she recognizes she did it. She recognizes that like, I don't know, it was her substitute for love. And I don't think, sorry, <laughs> we call it drowned world, but it is substitute for love slash drowned, lo- drowned world. But uh, I, I really, really just don't see it as the like reclamation of fame as like some people see it as. What do you think? I agree. I don't see it as a rejection at all. I, um, I don't think it was, it was, it's presented that clearly. And I think like, if you go, if you look at her music era, which came right after, I think that's, um, I mean, once again, just an example of Madonna completely reinventing, um, herself and her sound, but also it, it, it just does kind of prove that she, you know, she never went away. She never, re- she never rejected any former version of herself. She's just, I don't know, she, she's just growing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I do agree with that interpretation. And um, I must say, this album is, uh, well, this album as well, <laughs> but the song is a perfect opener and is simply perfection. I think it is the most like ample opener to Rave Light because it really just introduces you into the world of of it, uh, of Ray of Light and William Orbit, um, his sound. Yeah, yes. It's a perfect, like, as you said, like, off mic, it's the, like, not drowning, but you're, like, being swept up in the shores of Ray of Light. It's a perfect, like, being swept away into the soundscapes of Ray Exactly. Of Light, and that's the thing. This album, from beginning to end, is so cohesive, and it's such a journey, and it's so them- thematically interconnected. And it bothers me when people say that Madonna is a singles artist, not an albums artist, because that is just simply so not mm. true. I mean, this album is living proof of that. Um, and I think There's the second such that... such a clear narrative through way of life. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and you know, I think Drowned World um, really opens up the album and um, takes you into into its arms to use one of her um, own lyrics slash imagery from the final track. <laughs> um, because it, it just takes you on that sonic journey with you and it's so mesmerizing and it's so... It's... Yeah. Completely. So Completely. shall we move on to Swim? Shall we just... Did you know this was recorded the day after Gianni Versace was killed? I did. I did. What a fact. Do you think that tempered? Thank you. Do you think that tempered the recording in any way? And does that change the way you consume the song? Mm, I honestly think. I mean, I think. I think Madonna and. Um. I know Madonna herself. I think Madonna herself has commented on the actual recording process of this song because I think they were in the studio and they found out the, that news and there was no way I think I think they all just kind of 
yeah, obviously it was very somber, but they all just kind of looked at each other and was like, well, we have to continue on. We have to continue recording. And I think, I think that mood really plays into the song in a way and it's delivery. Um, Mm. it does feel a bit melancholy, although it's weird because I don't know if it's just like, um, a confirmation bias. I actually didn't know that fact for a while. Um, Mm. and like when I found out about it, I think it kind of just like, I can't tell if it's influencing the way I, I perceive the song in a in a new way now, whereas well, I mean, I guess that's kind of the point, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't really know what I'm saying. I digress. Um, great song. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the big lab then. Oh, the title track. Does it sound like it? <laughs> kind of. I'm keeping this in, by the way. Oh. Um, <laughs> I thought Zephyr in The Night I Cry were separate words, but it's not. It's based on the folk song called Zephyrin by the duo Curtis Maldoon in the 70s. I did know that. Um, I think it's like worthy of note. Oh, of course you know that. This is the same time we recorded this. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Me trying to be slick. <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard that before. Um, I think it's worthy of note that the first time people had heard this, this was like the first non-ballad Madonna song they'd heard in like nearly, maybe more than half a decade. True. Um they got um, Human Nature from Bedtime Stories, but after that it was Take a Bow, then it was Something to Remember, then it was Avita, which is a beautiful, but a bit of a, like, a ballad slog. Mm. And, like, what a, like, whoosh. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> it's, like au- it's like an auditory, like, whoop. <laughs> yeah, I think... It's an upper. It's an upper. It's an upper. And those vocals... Uh, this is, I think, this is where she puts the Avita effect to full impact. You think? We'll just never talk. Yeah, we'll just never talk about those uh, live attempts. <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you think? I think her vocals sound impeccable from the first minute she opens her mouth on the first track on this album. I think Drowned World is actually one of her best vocal performances ever. But um, mm. Ray of Light title track, I. It makes sense why it made such a splash because um, it was obviously, like you said, the first non-ballad song we've gotten from Madonna in a very long time. But it's also just so mm. upbeat and so elated and so happy. Um, and I just, I know it's, you know, it's the song for the locals from this album, but it's still <laughs> just such an incredible song. And yeah. And the iconic guitar intro, like, how can you not, I don't know. It's also the first, like, proper electronica song 
to appear like in the album's track list, mm. um, which I feel, you know, the album starts off very, very ambient and sort of eases you into it, and then you know gets into a bit of trip hop with Swim, and then you get to Rave Light, and it's just like this absolute fucking banger. I think it's great, completely, and like I think. Obviously, I'm not. I'm not one of them, so I wouldn't know. But I think this is like, this has got into the gold standard, gold label Madonna songs. If you like, stopped a random on the street and said, "Tell me a Madonna song," Ray of Lights in the top three or four that they probably would say. You think? I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Maybe from like, I think from. People our age, definitely. Yeah, people our age. I was going to say, later generations. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably just <laughs> that because... damned Like a Virgin album. I'll never forgive it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, anywho. One last thing before we go. Uh, it'd be remiss of me to not discuss aesthetics for a little bit. The music video, directed by Jonas Ickelund, who also directed other people's videos, but... <laughs> um, I think you can see the instant impact by um, Spice Girls to become to become one video, which was released the year after, which is essentially just the same video. Yeah, I've never <laughs> seen it. It's not gonna lie. Oh, it's it's them stood. It's 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 basically real life. It's them stood like in slow motion, then like cars speeding past them in like fast. Uh, anyway, I think from like our perspective in the future, it's like mm. it's just not like it's nothing that special or like groundbreaking but i guess at the time it was quite cool yeah 98 must have like blown people's minds <laughs> anyway um shall we go to that girl who smells a bit like um candy perfume mm, spicy We're definitely in the late 90s here. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts? Um, okay, so you know I love this song. <laughs> and you, mm. you know this is the most underrated track on the album, in my opinion. Um, I think... Mm. No, this is a good fucking song. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. You know what? Sure, it diverges... The, it mean, diverges maybe. thematically speaking from the rest of that album. But like... Yeah. It's also just, I mean, I just think, maybe controversially so, it is one of my favorite songs on the album. I just think it, it's, I mean, I mean, okay, you know what? You know what? You know I like the grunge That's influence. That's the most thing you've You know I love PJ Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> that shouldn't come as a shock to you. I think. I mean, I love it too, but <laughs> that doesn't mean we have to have a boring song on the album. Anyway. You carry on, sorry. No, I'll do my no, 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 no. Candy Perfume Girl <laughs> is maybe the you least palatable song on the album, but it's a fucking good song. I mean, I, I think, you know what it is? It's a B-tier garbage song. Not as in, like, garbage, as in the band garbage. Yeah, the band, yeah. I see what you mean. But you... 
it, it's it's fine. It's it's fine. And like I never skip it when I listen to Ray of Light. I just know skins next. <laughs> okay, but can we just talk about the little break before the bridge and then the way it just blows up and she just starts Did screaming. Did I lie to you? Yeah. Candy okay. perfect. Okay, it's wait. a fucking you good song. Over. Give me a break. <laughs> it's excellent. Okay, we can move on. <laughs> just one little fact because, you know, Ooh. I'm anal about this. So it was originally written by William Orbit and Susanna Melvoin, who was a former prince protege and fiancé. Uh, co-wrote Starfish and Coffee from the Sign of the Times album and it was written about her brother who sadly died of a heroin overdose I don't have much more to say about that I just thought that was interesting context and then Madonna obviously Um, changed a few sentences here and there pulled a Beyonce (laughs) but we love her for it and she deserved that writing credit and you know what (laughs) I'm not even going to make a big deal about that because contrary to what Lady Gaga thinks Madonna writes and produces her own music and, you know, oh. if she does that once in a while, who fucking cares? No one and derides male artists for doing that all the time exactly. or for hiring ghostwriters. Exactly. So, exactly. kiss my ass. Let's move Hi. on. Hi, Ed Sheeran. Hey, Eric. Yeah? It's skin next. <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, my, like, evil laugh is coming out. Touch me, I'm dying. <laughs> So what I will say about this song, and then I'll let Eric go along, is this is the first song that, like, made me hooked on Madonna. Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. my favourites have changed over time. Mm-hmm. Like, inside of me, you've all heard my uh, you've all heard my opinions on that. But it's just urgent. It's euphoric. It's camp. It's trance. Mm-hmm. It's it's orgasmic, almost. Mm-hmm. It's just it's also just, like, so weird. Mm-hmm. I just, I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Kiss kiss me i'm dying mm-hmm. are you kidding me that's just like oh anyway Eric, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm all out of, i'm all out of mm-hmm's. <laughs> <laughs> um this is the longest song in the album and it's fucking worth it i just think this song is an oh, absolute okay. behemoth um like you said it was also for me sort of the song well this entire album really but mainly this song was the one that made me realize that Madonna was so much more than what locals or what, you know, the general public from what they know about her music. Think of her. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, this album in general and why it's one of my favorite albums of all time and really my favorite pop album of all time is that it was sort of the first album pop album that was so incredibly different and diverse and fresh sounding even for today by today's standards that it really opened up my eyes to what pop music could be that it wasn't just this you know this one monochrome thing and skin had a lot to do with that for me and i think this is as a deep cut one of her best songs ever you're right it's just so euphoric and so weird and 
Um, I think it's simply one of the most progressive pop from, you know, a, a major pop star that's ever been made. Um, it, it's just so entrancing and it's so off key. Like it's very, you know, it's, it's techno, but it's, and it's euphoric, but it's not like, it's not, it's not really like an upbeat crowd pleaser either. It's very like eccentric and idiosyncratic as, as you said. Um, and it's in a, like, it's mostly in a minor key. Like it's very, it is just very bizarre, but it's incredibly fucking bizarre. Um, yeah. I think this is one of the highlights of her career. <laughs> and I think it stands to testament that, like, even if, like, anyone released this in 2021, we'd still be having the same conversation of, like, this is fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, but this is weird. Because, like, I feel, I just feel like, you know, from, from the perspective of mainstream pop, whatever the hell that means, I just don't think, like, call me biased but i think i'm right i just don't think like any other pop star of this caliber well obviously nobody is at madonna's level but no other pop star has really done anything this daring yeah at least i don't know at at least especially in recent in recent years i just i just still think ray of light stands the test of time i think it's it's a once in a career type type move. And I don't think very many people are lucky enough to have a ray of light in their discography. Absolutely. You know what? None of this really matters. JK. Huh. So, as excellent as this song is, production-wise, melody-wise, immaculate, iconic kimono, <laughs> um, I find nothing really matters to be um, one of the weakest songs on the album. Um, I still think it's a yeah. great song. For me, it's still like, like a 9 out of 10, yeah. really. But like... Mm. You know, the sentiment is lovely. I just, I do find that I do sort of have difficulty um, feeling like it, it, um, believing the sincerity of it in a way. Yeah. Because I don't know. I just think it's very, it's a little bit on the nose, especially for this album. I think this album, lyrically speaking, is so strong. I mean, her songwriting is, um, you know, reach new heights on this album. Um, but I think when you compare it to the Sky Fits Heavens, which we'll talk about next, Skins, um, the Drowned Worlds and the Merc Girls, I just think that nothing really matters isn't really saying anything all that intriguing. You know, nothing really matters. Love is yeah. all we need. It's like, oh, okay. It's a lovely sentiment. I'll accept it. It's cute. It's, you know, great beat. But 
um, for that reason, I I do see it as probably the weakest song on the album, yeah. or one right. of the production, weakest. production A plus, yeah. rhythm A plus, melody A plus, video A plus, but a little problematic. But like, yeah, as you said, like, do we need like another song that's like love is all you need? The Beatles did it, yeah, quite famously, and it's like. You're doing an album that's like dealing with like the complex emotions of like intergenerational trauma, and you're like doing one about like the inner sanctuary of accepting your fame whilst embracing your like motherhood. Do we really need this like just <laughs> banner song of like, yeah, love's great? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, but to be fair, the Vogue beat. I am, but just a simple homosexual. I love it. <laughs> but, I mean, it is so a great song. Don't don't get yeah. this wrong. The lows on this album are barely lows at all. Oh, oh, and that is yeah. like, you know, even every single song apart from Shanti could be could have been a single. Yeah, which I think is a one more point before we move on to the next song. I do find it interesting how Madonna is, especially sort of throughout this record but on the song specifically is sort of claiming a new outlook on life and i kind of find it a little bit funny and a little bit hypocritical how so many critics found this so easy to believe yet when american life was released Mm. five years later and perpetuated Mm. similar themes they had so much trouble swallowing it but obviously we'll get to that um two episodes from now god we're so close to american life i could scream (laughs) absolutely Nicholas, hmm. did you know that Sky Fits Heaven? What? Mm-hmm. She said it herself. <laughs> that's, that's, that's. So what I find so like hilarious about this song is that like it originated from a Gap advert, the like clothes <laughs> store, of like it cited both it they both cited the same Max Blag poem of what fits, and like I looked it up obviously and like I've sent it to you and like we both watched it and like the first two lines are literally like sky fits heaven so use it and it's like what what yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um and like the gave she gave him a writing credit, even though I don't think she probably should have done. It's very generous of her. It's probably just like I can't be bothered with like faff post release, let me just get this out of the way. I think the song itself I love it for kind of its sincerity. Mm-hmm. You can tell it's like incredibly, incredibly earnest. From Madonna. Yeah. Like, it feeds into, like, her belief that, like, all religions are interconnected. We're all going down the same road, no matter which signs we're following. And I think it's, like, a clear through line, as I said, of, like, the like a prayer trussles with religion. Mm -hmm. Of 
and understanding that like no path's perfect. No path offers a like solution to your problems, but it's the journey that matters. Mm-hmm. And I think as I think it's a perfect like stipulation of like as you mature, you like have that like understanding of what am I one what am I doing in life and two that like greater understanding of the world you inhibit. Mm-hmm. And also just like the hashtag pulsing beat unparalleled, unprecedented and great. So that was my bit. What do you think of the song? Aaron? Um I think this is a fucking great song. I think um I th- I think it's great. I think this and ob- the next, obviously, are sort of the <laughs> speak peak spirituality slash enlightenment mm. moments of <laughs> this album. This is sort of where she like really uh, gets into it. I really see this song as sort of a call for coexistence in a way between faiths and and spirituality. Um, that's just how I interpret it. I mean, not much yeah. more to say about it than that, other than the fact that um, I think it serves its, pur- its purpose and it's um, a great song. And also the transition from this into Shanti Ashtangi is, in my opinion, a very underrated, uh, if abrupt, transition. Mm. And it's no sanctuary transition. But no, I was going to say it's no sanctuary into bedtime story <laughs> transition, which is her ultimate <laughs> oh. song transition. Oh. I really love the, the sort of abrupt segue into the next track, which we are going to discuss. <laughs> oh God. I'm going to let you go into the minefield first. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, I feel like we can have a whole episode on this song. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's get the specifics and the facts out of the way. So this is Madonna um, reciting a Sanskrit Hindu prayer um, from the Yoga Taravali by, um, by Adi Shankara over a bleeps and orbits techno backing instrumentals um so it's kind of spectacular and kind of ambiguously inappropriate um yeah i don't really know to be honest because it's kind of like a summary of madonna's entire career anyway yeah (laughs) and i think that's sort of the main point of contention when people are so quick to criticize her and her contributions to popular music but um the thing is i don't think it's that black and white um obviously i'm not from the hindu community so i don't really have that much sway in this argument um but i will say that even though 
maybe, I don't know, there are debates whether or not she butchered the pronunciation of the Sanskrit on this song. She did take uh, pronunciation lesson- lessons um, from Vagish Shastri, who is an Indian Sanskrit scholar, to cor- uh, correct mispronunciations on the song. Mm-hmm. Um, she had done it, and she felt like she wasn't really giving it, um, I guess, what it does deserves um and maybe wasn't getting it so correctly so she 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 did i guess do her part in a way i think there's an argument around like appropriation v appreciation right and it's a conversation that me as a white man can't like consciously and like knowingly and appropriately engage with right um there we can like spell out that yes, not her culture to gain profit or from, but on the other side, yes, she tried her best to imbue herself into the culture, imbue herself into the learning, imbue herself into pronunciation. Um that's not what I'm here for though, and I think there's a lot of smarter people who said a lot smarter things who are probably from those communities who've said a lot better things than we have about yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, yeah, you're right. But also, um, I think this wasn't, like, a weird left-field decision to sort of sing in Sanskrit on this album because she was, um, you know, I mean, there's... She didn't just do this for, you know, hip points. I mean, she... Mm she was studying it at the time and she was sort of finding like a a renewed spirituality and obviously faith in spirituality is not, um, or at least shouldn't be discriminatory based on who you are, where you come from. So she has obviously every right to take up practice and, you know, whatever she wants. It's a free whatever, but Lines are drawn somewhere. The thing is, though, for me, I don't know quite where the line is in this case. I think there's so much gray area to this conversation, and I think a lot of people try to take it as one or the other, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. So before we move on to the next track, I'm just going to do my favorite Madonna quote, one of my favorite Madonna quotes of all time. So during her VMA performance of this song, which... Why did she choose to do this song during the VMAs? But anyway, yeah. it angered the Hindu World Ration of a Association. Again, very sorry for my pronunciation there. I'm very sure it was wrong. Um, but they were angry about her misappropriation of Hindu iconography throughout the performance. Madonna's <laughs> response was, and I will do an American accent for this, if they're so pure, why are they watching MTV? <laughs> <laughs> Which, like... Iconic, like regardless of like context, that is a bit like, oh, great American accent there, Nick. Um, I will say, despite the conversation, I think the song bangs. Mm. Like the production is actually so good; it's kind of sick. I agree. I agree. Anywho, shall we move on to the fucking masterpiece that is Frozen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you waste your time with hate and regret. You're broken when you 
Indisputably, I think this is the greatest, inverted commas, comeback of all time. Because let us not forget, this was the lead single. Yeah. And it's very, very interesting that she chose this as the lead single. It's very risky. And, like, what what I said about Ray of Light, this was yet another ballad. But what an interesting way to present yet another ballad. I think this is indisputably one of Madonna's best songs. Yeah. Um, to remain this like artistically relevant 15 years into the game, the constant revolution, there's no frame of reference for what she did with this song. Here is a pop star musician zeitgeist figure. Frozen was like the aesthetics of it, the sound quality, mm. the actual what it was wanting to achieve was unheard of until everyone else tried to sound like it yeah. after it was released. And then she just simply evolved again into another musical soundscape. Yep. I think this is the perfect encapsulation of Madonna in this song. You have, like, listen, the traditional 80s pop sensibility with the man who sent her into the stratosphere, i.e. Pat Leonard, mastered and produced by the person who, probably aside from her ways, pushed her to experimental limits to a second renaissance, i.e. William Orbit. And, like, tied together by the greatest pop star and greatest pop lyricist, let's not forget that, of all time, a one Madonna Louise Ciccone. And not to get, like, too emotional, but I kind of see it as Pat Lennon's, like, final gift to his, like, musical soulmate, <laughs> Madonna. Wow. It's just, like... You're going to make me tear up. I, <laughs> it's just... Beautiful, 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 beautiful. And we can discuss the Chris Cunningham-directed video, but I more want to be angry at you that you saw the Madame X performance. So uh, how was how was that? Everything? Oh, it was just incredible. I mean, that, that show in general was just incredible and exactly what she needed to I'm do. Sh- I'm sure it was. Um, but yeah, for viewers or for listeners um, who may not know, uh, on the Madame X tour, she sort of performed Frozen with, um, alone, sort of like with a soul spotlight on her, surrounded by darkness. She was in the very, very middle of the stage. And this is in a theater venue. It was an incredibly intimate venue. And, um, she had this huge, like transparent video product projection, um, of a video installation of her daughter Lourdes, um, doing a sort of interpretive, gorgeous, gorgeously choreographed and shot dance um to the song that was sort of just like you know on top of her while madonna was you know just sort of belting her heart out to to frozen you know standing there alone in the stage with her daughter um sort of just encapsulating the entirety um of the stage was just oh my god i don't even know if i'm like i'm getting chills as i'm like talking about it i don't even know if i'm like 
I could not be explaining it but... as vividly as it deserves. <sighs> Whatever. Anyway, um, aside from that, like perfect performance. What are your thoughts? How can you summarize your thoughts into this? <laughs> uh, masterpiece. Pantheon of Madonna. Masterpiece. Song, yeah. Original. Original. Original masterpiece. Um, it's like you said. I mean, it, it was just so. Un- I feel like so unprecedented for such a star like Madonna. It's such a beautiful song, and um, critics have noted the medieval music influence, um, which is really interesting. And I mean, that's the thing, you know. Like, she's just she's just always been out here. Um, you know, it, remaining original album after album, um, even if some of it is referential, you know, mm. she didn't invent an entire new genre on her own, but she's fucking doing things that no one else could and no one else yeah. really has. I can't really yeah. think of a Frozen equivalent in any other major pop star's discography. Mm. I just think it's so unique, and it's um, such an incredible song. It's also her most so iconic, mm, which we discussed a few episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> True Blue episode, if you want to check it out. But yes, completely agree. We're just... I know I say this over and over again, but it's so lucky to have her. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I like teared up. Anyway, to make us more sad, shall we transition to The Power of Goodbye? Those strings again. And mm. the guitar riff at the end too. So Are you kidding? So um I kind of see Frozen and Power of Goodbye to be really interconnected in a way. Um I I see them as really intertwined and I sort of feel like they form their own mini suite within an entire cohesive sweet um that is the album um because and hear me out i mean i think production wise they're very similar um both beautiful ballads but i think they sort of represent a narrative um of growth between the two songs like you go from frozen when she's singing if i lose you my heart will be broken and you know is talking about you know this man's heart being frozen and not open and then she goes straight into your heart is not open so i must go and to me i just i can't i can't think of those two songs as distinct because there's such a like narrative continuity between the two mm. that's really interesting yeah I haven't seen that before, but yes, I agree. I will say that I think Power of Goodbye is a more of a, like, 
existential study. Oh my god, shut up <laughs> me! But of like a uh, the actual implications of the act of saying goodbye, as opposed to the person wanting to say goodbye. Does that make sense? It's the like rumination on the emotion of separation mm-hmm. in and of itself, as opposed to a person saying. My partner is bad. I want to leave. Yeah. Which probably feeds back into the nothing really matters discourse of you're saying like this like discursively complex <laughs> uh, lyrical context. Yet you, the other song is just being like, I love love. <laughs> well, <laughs> nothing else matters. Well, okay. Not to trash nothing really matters. <laughs> Anymore because it's actually still a great song, but um, oh, yeah. yeah, I know what you mean, and I think this song um is definitely a more mature perspective on um the demise of a relationship of separation Completely. and of love in general and heartbreak. Completely. And if you hadn't checked it out before, check out the demo because it's haunting. Oh, it's incredible. And I'd say almost as beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, Eric, to have not to hold, let's march right on. So, the the only comment I have on this song is it's, like, kind of a pandemic anthem of, like, <laughs> being perpetually stuck in, like, socialised purgatory. Well, I haven't even thought about, it, about it that way. You're not to hold. You ha- you're to have, but I can't have you. You're, like, yeah. You're, like, lost in this kind of purgatory of, yeah, lost memories wow. and... Preserved memories, etc. I have not. I love the like. Thought about it. I love that little like. Is it Bossanova? Yeah. It's. It's got like it's got something about it, and I love Mm. it. And bizarrely, I was looking at my last FM stats at Nick Hall. If anyone wants to follow me, and it's one of my most ever listened to songs on Real Wow, which has really struck me by surprise, but it is such a like. Easy, fun, yet like gut punching. Listen, I really, really like mm. it. That's that's all I have to say. What about you? Um, I think this is one of those songs that I didn't f- truly appreciate until I got much, much older, and now it's mm. one of my favorites on the album. Um, because it's just so beautiful and the lyrics are so incredibly visceral. Also, to bring attention back to the bossa nova influence that you mentioned. It's just so indicative of the like incredible versatility and musical diversity on displayed on this album, like throughout this entire record. Um, this album is just such, it draws influences from so many different corners, but it's so incredibly cohesive and so well done. It, it's sort of just a testament to how. Uh, this album really did shift the pop discourse and, um, you know, really did sort of bridge the divide between pop and um, what well, helped bridge the divide, 
<laughs> between uh, pop yeah. and so many other different genres at the time. Um, but I think this song is beautiful. Um, it's also just there's so many from from the little hums in the background that sort of callbacks are frozen and um the sort of background vocals reciting lines from the Ashtanga Yoga opening chant um is just sort of really indicative once again of the ho- the cohesity of this album um because I feel like this is sort of the song where all these other various elements from previous songs like Frozen and even um, Shanti Eshtangi are coming back and making sort of subtle reappearances, if that makes sense. I don't know if I sound stupid, but but I just think it's just a testament to this album as a whole, as its own interconnected within itself work of art. Like a shooting star in the sky, let's traverse to the next song, which luckily is Little Star. So I had no comments written down for this song just because I wanted to represent the like pure emotion I felt when I listened to it. It's you can like feel the like warmth coming off this recording. You feel the like genuine penmanship of Madonna coming through this recording. Mm-hmm. You feel the like I mean every single word I'm singing when I do this here. And it's so beautiful. I know, like, we always have the discussion of, like, would you rather be Lourdes or Rocco in regards to which song you got with Little Star V Intervention, which we'll get onto in American Life. And, I mean, today I'm on Little Star's side. It's so sweet. And I think that's a thing we don't get usually with Madonna. Yeah, but it's a really beautiful and believable, sweet. You know? Yeah. Earnest. It, yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me of Dear Jesse. And- mm. Yeah. But obviously, um, very different context. I feel D- Dear Jesse was still sort of a bit of a precursor, but um, yeah. I think Little Star is a beautiful techno lullaby. I was just going to say, shall we move on to the final track on the album? Mer girl and the ground gave way beneath my feet and the earth took me in her arms leaves covered my face and smudged across my back black sky opened up blinding 
this is probably her greatest album closer and probably the greatest example for songwriting, in my opinion. Uh, Every time I listen to this album, and God, I have listened to it so many times, I still get chills when we reach the final verse of this song. It's just so haunting and so incredibly surreal in its imagery and its lyricism. Um, it's so poetic and it's so beautiful. It, it truly is chill inducing. Um, I think it's also kind of probably a metaphor for a lot of the whole concepts on Rave Light in general. She's, she sings, I ran and I ran. I was looking for me, you know? searching for meaning, searching for a certain type of spirituality, running from a version of her old self, but not rejecting it, Um, dealing Mm -hmm. with, you know, going back to um, themes of motherhood, dealing with her own uh, late mother. I just see it as just a really incredible example of, um, her songwriting and her growth as a songwriter. Completely. And like the production landscapes are so like in the aesthetic of like horror yeah. and it's like scary. And it's like, it's, it's very like in the same vein as Sanctuary. And I'm happy we made the connections of bedtime stories to this album. Cause like, I do think you see the veins in it mm-hmm. a lot and like, for the final lyrics of this album to be, um, and I smelt her burning flesh, her rotting bones, her decay. I ran and I ran. I'm still running mm-hmm. away. It's what? I know. <laughs> this is supposed to be her like, uh, like proclamation of freedom, and it's like still bittersweet. It's still um, hauntingly beautiful. That's without yeah. saying, but it's like. Um, it's it subverts what you want Madonna to sound like, be like, um, and I think it feeds into that conversation of like course correction last week of like you're gonna get it a little bit, but she's never gonna be like fully <laughs> on board. She's always going to like fuck with you a little bit, and it's I'm all the more happy that she does, and like that's without saying that like how beautiful the actual poetry of the lyricism yeah. is and like how evocative the imagery in within the lyricism yeah. is. And I think the production the mu- and the musicality takes a backseat to the actual, actual lyrics themselves. Yeah. It is definitely um, a very poetic meditation. It's very cinematic, mm. both sonically and lyrically, of course. Completely. And I think this would be the song I'd show someone if they, like, doubted Madonna as, like, an artiste. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eric, we have got to the end of Ray of Light for the second time. Look oh, at that. Oh, God, the longest we have ever spent on a Madonna album for this <laughs> stupid <laughs> podcast. I'm sure we, like, barely got to 40 minutes for the debut <laughs> album. But anyway... Um, Notwithstanding, I still want to know what the critics said. Can you enlighten me? So, on the whole, um, Ray of Light received pretty much universal acclaim. Um, 
<laughs> There's a great a great quote here, and um, you know, I always say that Ray of Light is Madonna's Bjorkiest album. Um, <laughs> so I have to mention Mark Rowland from Melody Maker drew comparisons with Bjork's homogenic album. Um, he highlighted that Ray of Light's lack of cynicism is his most positive aspect, specifically writing, mm. it's not an album turned on the lathe of cynical pop manipulation, rather it's been squished out of a lump of clay on a foot-powered wheel. Lovingly teased into, into life, Ray of Light is like the ugly mug that doesn't match, but is all the more special because of it. Um, Love which that. is, yeah, quite an interesting quote. But I also have to say mm. that considering, so one final point, considering Rolling Stone uh, released their updated 2020 version of 500 greatest albums of all time, still their most talked about publication, um, and Ray of Light is one of two Madonna studio albums that appear on it. Too little in quantity, in my opinion, but... Honestly, an album. <laughs> um, however, it's worth noting that it moved up from its spot at 367 in its uh, in an Ugh. older version of the list, um, 145 spots to number 222, Ugh. which is actually a Ugh. very huge and impressive jump. It is, but it's still disgusting. I can make an argument for every single album. Apart from MDNA and like a virgin, being included in the top five hundred and being included in the top one hundred, uh, even actually. Rebel Heart, that's well, a bit of a stretch. Surprise! We'll get and on Hard to Candy. We will get on Nicholas. To I think your stand is coming out. <laughs> Justice for Hard Candy. <laughs> anyway, Eric, final thoughts. Uh, final thoughts. I still think this is. I mean, in my eyes, a perfect album. Um, objectively, a near-perfect album. Probably the greatest pop album of all time. And hands down, one of my favorite albums of all time. And my favorite of Madonna's, for sure. So you like I, I loved it. I absolutely, like, I wouldn't be who I am without Ray of Light. I'm not even kidding. That's not me being dramatic. Oh, completely agree i think it set the precedent for pop music for the next like 15 years i think it's revitalized the most important pop musician's career thank god (laughs) and i'm just a loss for words thank god i summarized it better at the start of this podcast because (laughs) it's i'm so thankful to have won this album to the emotions it struck within madonna herself because of it and the actual kind of cultural milestone that it became so yeah in conclusion i like it i love it i believe it ray of light is love ray of Uh, of life but eric that's another episode wow (laughs) an epic if i'd ever heard of it we've not quite passed the two hour mark of a recording but hey ho I um, need always a pleasure, never a pain. I need to, um, God, as much as I love this album, I need to move on from Wave from Rave Light. <laughs> <laughs> Recording this episode and twice who, um, had its yeah. perks, but you know what? I have been um, mentally prepped for music for the last two weeks, so. Um, but 
what a move on it is because it's such a like major sonic mm-hmm. shift in a way. But we'll get onto it. We'll get onto it, Eric. I wish you all the best. I wish you all the best. Kind regards. Also, before we go, make sure yeah. to follow oh. us on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> make sure to follow us. We got that promo. <laughs> make yeah. sure to follow us on Instagram at True Review Pod. Um, also, you can check out some of my own uh, other music writing critiques. Incredible. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. At culture.com, C U L T C H U R. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye, Nick. Bye. <laughs> Bye. See you next week. <laughs>